Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sports Complex on a Tuesday afternoon. It's another short one, guys. It's another short one. We're getting to the end of short ones uh, as the Rangers season is coming to an end. But the Rangers playing a big series gets a big win yesterday against the Blue Jays. Back in the playoff picture. Back in. They're back in the playoffs as of right now. They're lost to the Astros. Uh, the Astros lose. The Mariners lose. The Rangers beat the Blue Jays. They're right back in the wild card and fighting back for the AL West division lead. They will be taking over at 5.30 for pregame with another big game against the Blue Jays. But before then, we will talk some more Texas football after their win against Alabama. We're starting to get into looking forward to Wyoming. We're starting to look in, pick it apart, watch the game film a couple more times, uh, getting a little bit more into the weeds about Texas-Alabama, a little things we need to work on, some things we need to look at. Uh, we'll also do a little quick recap of some NFL for you to get the show started. Uh, Murray can join the conversation. 512-337-3776. 512-337-3776. And you can follow me at It's Patrick Davis. Well, let's get to it. We've had we've had our celebration. We've got it. It is time to now move on. I know the team moved on uh, already by yesterday. They had their fun on Sunday and then moved on. We we didn't have a show on Sunday, so we, you know, we celebrated a, li- a little bit yesterday. But we are now getting ready to move on and start to look at the future of Texas football. But before we get to that, uh, of course, the big news in the world of sports and the NFL and everything else is Aaron Rodgers. He gets he basically is in in a jet, a jet uniform for 4 minutes of a regular season, three plays, goes down, tears his Achilles, done for the season. It's a difficult injury to recover from. When you are getting to the advanced age, and I know he's not really that old, but in sports terms, he's ancient. Uh, he is. Uh, so that is a question: Is will he come back next year? Will he fight to get back, or could this be the Aaron Rodgers? That's the sign I needed. He seems like a guy. I'd be like, well, that's the sign, right? That I this was not supposed to happen. And as fun as I thought it would be, that was not supposed to happen. And move on. I think it also depends on what they end up doing. Uh, if they, you know, if Zach Wilson stays the quarterback and. What they're able to do if he stays the quarterback, if they if they make the playoffs and, and progress and do well and are a defensive based team, then maybe they maybe they move on. Maybe the Jets say it's okay. We you know let's let's just move on. Uh, do they sign somebody else and then do you take a veteran and then let them go for one year and you see what happens? We don't know. Uh, we know that the Bills. We had a lot of people predicted this. I predicted this that they're going to see some regression. Uh, in the Bills this year, that this may be the end of the road for Sean McDermott and this team as, you know, you just kind of keep going and Josh Allen 
you know, he was remorseful after the game because he understands that he needs to play better and not keep turning the ball over. Some of those turnovers are awful. That you know, you're throwing in a double triple. You're trying to play that that hero football. And as a fan of NFL and as a fan of football, I I hate the fact that I have to watch Brian Dayball with Daniel Jones and watch Josh Allen without Brian Dayball because together it was so good and apart. You know, Daniel Jones just doesn't have the physical abilities of a Josh Allen and for whatever reason, Josh Allen, I think the problem is Josh Allen, and this is, you know, you'll see more and more comparisons because of the turnovers uh, between Josh Allen and Dak Prescott, but this is, you get a quarterback and you say, how can we use our quarterback to the best of his abilities to progress everybody and we get a, a great quarterback because we're putting him in the situations to win? And then all of a sudden you think, well, our quarterback did everything in those situations, so clearly he can do everything else. Well, that's not how it works. I, I can do this show all day long, but if you say, well, can you go to that show in, a, in another country that doesn't speak English, I probably wouldn't do it so well. You can't, you can't keep putting people in situations that are completely separate and just say, well, it's still football, so you know you can make that. You made a great pass down the line to Gabe Davis when Gabe Davis is in single coverage and wide open down the middle. That was what the Brian Dayball system was. He would get guys wide open for long passes. And now you're having Josh Allen still trying to throw those passes, but in a double coverage. It's a much different pass. That's not his forte. You still want him to run the ball, and you're not teaching him to get down. There's just It doesn't seem like there's any basis for trying to help Josh Allen. It seems like they want Josh Allen to just all of a sudden be a better player. He's not that guy. He is what he is. He can do a lot of things for you, but he's going to hurt himself and shoot himself in the foot if you let him. And Zach Wilson is not going to be – you know, he did well for a team that had zero game planning for him because they didn't think he was going to be in. He did okay. He came down the stretch. Garrett Wilson makes one of the greatest catches that you're probably going to see all season long. Just an insane catch that Wilson makes to get that touchdown. If he doesn't catch that ball, we may we don't maybe don't go to overtime. Maybe, you know, the Jets don't have a chance to win it. So, you know, I, I get Zach Wilson gets a little bit of praise because he didn't completely give it away. And when you're in a game where one quarterback doesn't give the ball away and the other keeps giving it away, then you're going to say, well, Zach Wilson did better. But I don't know if that's going to be a solution, especially once teams start to game plan for him a little bit more. But we will get into that a little bit later. I do have – it is going to tie into Patrick's big fat poll today. So we'll get into that a little bit. The other news out of the NFL, Chris Jones ended his holdout yesterday. Uh, he is coming back. I, it's one of those things where he kept saying he would hold out to week eight to get what he wanted. He gets no extra deals on his contract. He doesn't get a provision that says he's not going to be able to be franchise teched. He doesn't get any of those things. He does get the opportunity to make more money with incentives, and if that's all he really wanted was an incentive-based contract, it feels like that could have been done before. And I got maybe there's negotiate, but I don't know what negotiation happened. Clearly, he wanted to come back to this team. Clearly, he wanted to be there. You know, he was at the game on Thursday night in the stands, which was kind of awkward. But good good news for Chiefs fans. Now, the question is, can Chris Jones catch? Because that seems to be a problem. Uh, Kelsey, of course, is going to try and be back. And he could have played in that Thursday game. But I still think you'd like to have at least somebody else who can catch a football on that team. 
Well, that's enough NFL for now. Uh, you know, we don't need to talk too much Cowboys. We'll get into Cowboys more as we get closer to the weekend, as we get ready for them taking on the Jets in week two, which has just become a much easier game for the Jets. And if you were worried about Zach Wilson, watch about the, that defense, how well that defense played. And I'll give credit to Mike McCarthy, too. I'll give credit to Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy used Dak Prescott exactly how he should be used. He used him in a way he said, we don't need anything big from you, so let's just let you have a good game and not worry about trying to make you a star. We don't need to rack up 80 points on offense. Let's just let's just try and hold the ball, let the defense win. So credit to Mike McCarthy for, for realizing not only that you should be doing that all season, but especially week one. There's no reason to do anything special. But that's for, we'll get more into that, but I, I don't know. I don't know what, how much breakdown you're going to need of that that Cowboys Jets game with how that Cowboys uh, defense played in Week One. That seems it seems like it's it may be again that the Cowboys defense could outscore the offense. That's it could be that week again. Let's get back in to uh, some uh, Texas football. And Sark spoke to the media yesterday, kind of starting to wrap up, get through week one, get through, sorry, through week two, week uh, through the Alabama game. Here's Sark's opening statement uh, in his press conference yesterday. Reiterate some things from Saturday night and a couple things that kind of showed up. Um, one, I thought this was a really good team win. You know, we, we talk a lot about being a versatile football team and, and having the ability to win you know, multiple ways, and I thought, Quite frankly, all we needed all our ways to win Saturday night, and so I think it started with you know I thought our players showed great composure and poise in the environment, but also really good confidence. I, I thought they went into the game with the mentality and confident enough that that they could go win that football game, and then they played like it, regardless of some of the adversity that they were faced with. Um, you know, uh, I, I really just looked at today a lot of the effort. You know, we were meeting with the team and just there were some really exceptional effort plays that showed up. Um, even, even some that sometimes go unnoticed. You know, the, the ball came out a couple times offensively, uh, which is an area where we need to improve. But just the effort that our guys made to recover those balls. I know a couple of them were ruled down, but JT, you know, the fumble recovery on uh, uh, AD's fumble, uh, the effort by Jonathan Brooks downfield on you know on JT's that they end up ruling an incomplete pass but there was such extreme effort the effort on the punt that we down inside the five uh, by Keaton Crawford, Keelan, uh, and the rest of the coverage unit. Uh, th- those were just some great examples. There's a couple we showed a play today of, of uh, Byron Murphy defeating a double team and, and making a really good tackle at the line of scrimmage. Just quality, quality effort that I was really proud of the guys. And that's kind of where you look at this Texas team right now. Of there, there wasn't a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. There was plenty of things you can work on. So as a coach, you have to love. You get the win. You you get to celebrate, you get to have all that good stuff, and then you get to go back and look at film, and you get a show though that a lot of what they did was being up for the game, playing at a hundred percent, playing at their top of their game, and really illustrating we can make up for some of our faults, we can make up for some things in this in in these games if we come out and we continue to play with that ability and play with play with the effort. And if everybody comes out, because there was some missed opportunities of of missed blocks by wide receivers and missed blocks by JT Sanders, some things that are that are easy and they're effort things. That if you pick that up, maybe we're, this wasn't even close. Maybe you're not, you know, maybe you're even higher in the AP poll because people are going to look at it and say, man, they they handled Alabama. 
if you play a, a perfect game, if you go in there and, and take care of a little bit more business. So there's plenty to look at in this team. The, the turnovers, he mentions. You cannot have the ball popping out. They're, they weren't turnovers, but they were fumbles. And you have a couple fumbles. You have the, the botch snap on a fourth down. Jonathan Brooks is able to pick it up and go. Jonathan Brooks has dropped two touchdown passes in two games, and now he had some big other plays, but he's dropped two touchdown passes in two games that were great drawn-up plays. He got the outside. He got where he needed to be and just couldn't connect it. And maybe that's why he's why Baxter was picked as the starting running back. Maybe that's why, because he just loses a little bit of focus on those receiving plays, and that's what Sark loves to draw up. We know he's a powerful runner because he killed it later in the game. Uh, you know, we saw Xavier Worthy drop one when he just didn't focus. Made some other great plays. A.D. Mitchell, Adonai Mitchell, made some great plays, but also missed some. J.T. Sanders made some great plays, but also missed some. Everybody's got some stuff to work on this week. Everybody's got some things that they need to grow on. But you have so much that you can look at and say, this team showed up, this team did what it needs to do, and the leadership of this team looked in that game like they're the leadership that can help take this team to another level and starting with Quinn Ewers. That Quinn Ewers, every report on the sideline is he's a different type of leader this year. As we saw last year that he wasn't really a vocal leader, that he wasn't really leading this team. And I think we saw in the bowl game him try to be more of a vocal leader and try to be somebody that he not wasn't necessarily him. And, and we were all you know applauding him and, and lauding him for trying to go out there and do it but it didn't feel like it was him. It didn't necessarily connect. It was a bowl game, too, so that becomes a little bit harder, right? But he was out there trying to do it. And this season, it seems where he's found a little more peace in himself to be able to be a leader in who he is. And if he can find a way to lead this team and give them the emotional lift and the support and pick guys back up and get guys ready out there, get that O-line to cover correctly and get that O-line to play at the level they did and not have pre-snap penalties and communicate clearly – and all these things, and lower everyone's tension and lower everybody's anxiety because he's a little bit calm and cooler and collected as a leader, that's a different style of leadership than you don't see from a lot of guys. But it seemed to work in that game, and if he's found himself, then it makes it a little bit easier for him to be a leader. Here's Sark talking about Quinn having a clear head, as he describes it, and kind of how Quinn's outlook changes a little bit. Uh, and how he seems to be a little bit more in himself and leading this team and playing the quarterback position. Um, I thought Quinn was very clear-minded going into the game. I thought he had a really good understanding of what we were going to do and, and why we were trying to do it. I think he assumed his responsibility with a lot of the pre-snap things that we were doing in the ball game, um, which in turn, uh, I, I've been remiss for not mentioning this at the beginning, to go into that environment and to have zero pre-snap penalties, uh, that, that's a credit to our offensive football team. Um, you know, and there was no self-inflicted wounds that way where, uh, on the flip side, we kind of saw it for, for the home team. So really, and a lot of that credit, I think, goes to Quinn. His poise, his composure, how calm he was, uh, I think, kind of went throughout the entire offensive football team and everybody felt comfortable because he was. But I think that same feeling led to him being technically sound in the game. I thought his pocket presence was good. Um, like I said, I thought there was a moment there um, late in the second quarter and we were a little bit backed up. There was a player or two where I felt like he got a little bit antsy in the pocket um, and, and a couple errant throws. 
But again, it's two weeks in a row now where that was the last drive of the first half. We got in the locker room. He kind of got refocused, resettled down, and then went and played a really good second half. So I think that's a lot of real growth that he has shown from last season to this season to kind of recalibrate, recenter himself, and then come out and play a really good second half after maybe not being as sharp as he could be there late in the second quarter. And that's where we see the improvement of Quinn Ewers of not only being able to, in himself, find his center, find himself an ability to look over what he needs to do to improve himself in within a game, to instead of having issues last season where we knew the footwork was a problem and it would, it would escalate to becoming more and more of an issue and more of a problem because he would get overwhelmed and he would get, you know, too much was going on. He was worried about, you know, disappointing his teammates, worried about disappointing his coaches, and he just seemed in that game okay with everything, and it turned out to be that guy. Now, you have to be able to do that when you reach more adversity because this is not, you know, you, as much as this was the biggest game they're playing early in the season, there's teams that Alabama is not necessarily game planning for you as much as you game plan for them. Alabama and Nick Saban are much more of a team that is a we're the team to beat, we're the bar, we play our style of football, and then we'll make adjustments along the way, but we're not necessarily changing what we do to lower ourselves to your level. And Sark, for one of his faults, has been that he has tried to coach that way too many times without the talent and without the without the players to still try and coach this way of, if I call my game, then we'll win. That's not how it works day-to-day basis. Sometimes you're going to have to change it up. Maybe one of your players isn't feel, is not you know, playing at that top level that day. Maybe there's weather. Maybe you have an injury. Maybe the other coach just knows your number, and you're going to have to change it up and become a better coach. Sark's going to have to continue to grow that way. But in this game, we could see that there wasn't – Alabama did not make enough changes. Quinn Ewers was able to eat them alive. He was able to push. So he will have to find more adversity. But this is a great first step of Quinn Ewers as a leader and as a quarterback uh, that can go to that next step because everybody kept saying he couldn't throw the deep ball. And we know he's still not great at throwing deep balls, especially in coverage, but he did get better at it. And once the flow started going, Sark got him in a flow. He was able to start feeling okay about it. Those deep balls started going. Here's Sark talking about those deep balls. Well, I I think one of the keys was I thought Quinn, A, the look was there, right? Uh, It's one thing just to run guys deep, but if he's double covered and things. So I think we got the coverages that we were looking for. Um, I think the receivers – ran the routes and then ran them in in to the spot to where they were supposed to be and there was consistency in the route running uh, as we ran them in practice so that they knew the spot on the field where that ball would be thrown and then I think the third component was Quinn put nice air on the ball and he allowed the receivers both those guys to adjust to the ball in the air it's very difficult for a receiver to adjust to the ball when it's flat down the field. That, that, that's, a, that's a tall task, especially when it's back over your shoulder. But when there's air on the ball, now they can track it and they can adjust to it. It's like, it's like playing center field, right? And the ball's hit to deep left center. You know, the flatter the ball, the tougher it is to gauge that angle. The higher the ball, the better they can gauge it and go track it and go make that play. So I think those three things combined, we got the coverages that we were looking for and it was the right read. Two, the consistency and the route running from practice to the game. And then three, uh, the air underneath the ball to allow them just to go get it. Trusting your receivers. Having faith. Having th- I do, I'm making the right play. I can put the ball up. And that air ball is really 
really dangerous, and it's something you have to be confident to throw because if you know how much air you put on that ball and you miss it or you misread and there's a safety sitting back there, well, that's a pick. That's an easy pick. That You just got to sit back there and seal. So you have to be confident in that read, confident in what the coach called, confident in everything you're doing. That's the Quinn Ewers we got to see, and that's what you want to see. And if you want to be confident, I want to tell you about some of the best long run apparel you can find, and you can find it at the University of Texas Co-op, the 40 Acres Collection. I was wearing mine. I got a peacock around a little bit. I was hanging out with some Alabama fans. You get to show them off. You go, hey, man, check out. Check out the duds. I'm, I'm looking good. I'm feeling good. Texas gets the win, and you can feel good in the 40 Acres Collection. It offers exclusive and custom design apparel for the whole family, limited edition, on-trend, fashion performance, luxury apparel, wicking SPF 50, and it's easy care. And it's gear that gives back. 40 Acres has made a financial commitment to the university co-op course material scholarship, giving free course materials to Longhorn students. Every penny of profit from the co-op goes directly to course material scholarships. And the co-op thanks 40 Acres for expanding scholarships this academic year. So if you want to look good, you want to feel good, this may be the year, guys. No one's feeling better than than you are right now after that Alabama win. You want to go out and get dressed up, feel good, get your outfits, get ready for the season because you're going to have to cheer them on for the rest of this year. No reason not to. Get dressed up, get feeling good, something that's going to get you as the weather continues to not be 120, but it's still going to be hot. You're going to want something that's going to feel nice and look nice. Come on by the University of Texas Co-op and get geared up with the new 2024 collection of 40 Acres Apparel. Hook them. All right, let's get one more thing real quick, and this is really what I thought the biggest point of the entire game was. It was the fourth quarter. It was when the team rebounded, and something that I feel has happened to Texas more times than I can imagine, of where Alabama comes back and Texas responded immediately. Even though the rest of the first half, second half hadn't gone their way, that the leaders in this team wasn't a halftime speech, wasn't anything. It was the leaders on the sideline that got this team ready. It was setting up plays in the first and second half, running the ball up the middle, doing everything you need to do. The fourth quarter is for, the, for this game is what gives me the most confidence going forward for Texas. Now, maybe it is partly that Alabama played a really bad fourth quarter and they didn't plan well for it. But you got to take the win where you can, and this is what I, I – that fourth quarter is what's selling me on the hope for the future of this Texas Longhorn team. Here's Sark talking about the fourth quarter. And really working on the fourth quarter aspect even in practice uh, throughout training camp and, and how vital the fourth quarter is. And, you know, I think one thing as a play caller, you feel like when you're having that lull, sometimes play it safe, just try to find rhythm. Um, and Saturday, I kind of went the other way, um, quite frankly. You know, when, the, when we fell behind 16-13 there, um, played it pretty aggressively. You know, we, we kind of we went after them um, maybe a little more aggressively than I, maybe I would have a year ago. Um, and obviously it worked. <laughs> it worked this past Saturday, and we were able to score, I think, in three plays to regain the lead. Um, so I, I think the mindset of our guys, we have a veteran offensive team, and them understanding why we're calling what we're calling. I think that communication's been better this year as well of getting out in front before drives begin so they can expect the calls that are coming, and I think that puts them at ease a little bit more. That fourth quarter, the preparation, everything of when we talked about in, in the scrimmages, trying to get ahead of it, trying to get this team to feel get more energy in the second half, more energy in the fourth quarter, the leadership we've talked about, all of those things were in full effect. Start calling a game plan that favored the fourth quarter where he did set up the run, where he did set up short passes that allowed deeper passes, 
where he did control the offense inside and outside. Run the ball at the middle, screen it to the outside. Run it up the middle, screen it to the outside. Don't let Alabama know. Changing personnel groups and, and breaking tendencies. All of those things to set yourself up for a fourth quarter where you're going to be able to dominate the ball. That's what they did, and that's what Texas needs to continue to do going forward. Now, Wyoming, it's a little different. You're going to hope that your fourth quarter is going to be a lot of running the ball. You're going to hope you're up a good enough number. Wyoming's a good team, but you need to be able to play well enough in those first three quarters that isn't a problem. But once you get that Big 12, once you get into some of these teams that are that's their whole goal, their whole season is beating Texas, you better have that fourth quarter. You better be able to keep that intensity up in the fourth quarter. We're almost out of time before we give you up to the Rangers here before they play the Blue Jays pregame at 530. Time to hit Patrick's big fat pole today. Patrick's big fat pole of the day on the horn. Patrick's big fat pole of the day. You can join the conversation 512-337-3776 or why don't you hit us up on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it and you can uh, vote on the poll or type in your uh, your other suggestions, whatever you want to do uh, on the poll there on uh, on Horn ATX or on mine at It's Patrick Davis. Big fat poll today. Who should the Jets pick up at quarterback? We know they got to get somebody in there because whether we want to say that there's, you know, whether you want to say that you that Zach, Zach Wilson's a guy, do you take Tim Boyle off the practice squad? You go out and get a veteran like Matt Ryan. Colt McCoy's still available. You get a game manager. Do you go and pull Phillip Rivers out of retirement? We know that he said that he was going to be the 49ers. That was their backup plan if they made the Super Bowl. Do you call Tom Brady? Do you just see? He's not coming back, but you call him? Tell us what you think. Who should be the Jets? Who should the Jets pick up at quarterback? Or is it nobody? You can say nobody. Say, screw it. Zach Wilson's a guy. Go for it. Rangers coming up. Pre-game. Big game against the Blue Jays. They're back in the they're back in the wild card trying to go for the AO West. We got to get out of here. Be kind to each other. Be safe. Keep your underwear clean. And we'll see you back here tomorrow on the Sports Complex on the Horn.